You're listening to Virgin Control, Pound and Grain's digital news show. With the rise in popularity of streaming services like Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, and HBO, the idea of cutting the cable cord is old news. Even though 2017 actually saw the percentage of Canadian cord cutters dip slightly, there are still close to 390,000 households who have completely cut the cord. But what does this mean in terms of digital marketing? It means the brands are going to have to take more chances, be smarter, and try more new things as the traditional TV commercial becomes less relevant. This isn't to say that the old 30-second spot isn't going to move the bottom line, but the number of eyeballs glued to TV stations is dwindling, and brands should be turning to streaming channels like Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, and HBO. And what do these streaming giants all have in common? That's right, audiences have the ability to binge watch. For those unfamiliar with the concept, binge watching is essentially powering through a piece of entertainment like a series of movies or a TV show from beginning to end with little to no breaks. It's something network entertainment providers can't recreate because of commercial breaks and viewing schedules. For brands, This means coming up with ways to create entertaining content that audiences choose to watch. The good thing is, audiences aren't looking to see if it's a major network producing the content. Instead, they focus on what the content is and how it's relevant to them. A good example is the rise of YouTube influencers over the past few years. With millions of followers and billions of views, Content creators are becoming some of the most powerful voices online. Brands can turn to them to get the word out to all of their fans, but relying solely on influencers isn't always the best strategy. Take for example, the recent controversy that surrounded both PewDiePie and most recently, Logan Paul. Another important trend is the amount of original programming being created by streaming services. Whether you enjoyed it or not, Netflix's film Bright was watched by a lot of people. In true Netflix form, they have yet to release any official numbers, but it's high enough to justify greenlighting a sequel to the $90 million production. The secret sauce is in the data. Streaming services know a lot more about their audience than traditional cable networks ever did, and they are using it to create targeted content. As the inevitable shift to streamed content quickly approaches, are there sponsorship opportunities to these new shows and movies? How can brands take advantage of live streamed content like sports and events? Which brings us to today's topic. With so much targeted content being created and enjoyed, how can brands capitalize on the binge wars? Guys, we're back. How excited are you for 2018's first podcast? Nick? I am literally bursting at the seams with excitement. We're talking about binge viewing habits, binge watching, streaming everything, awesome entertainmentness, and what that entertainmentness? That doesn't even sound like a word. It is now. Yeah. Yeah, in 2018 it is. Yeah, we're going to make up words. (laughs) Scott, the producer in the background, telling us that that is not actually a word. It is now. Look it up. Uh, So I'm Jackson Murphy, uh, creative director here at Pound and Grain. 
And we have with us the lovely, the talented, Nick Kewen. Hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're going to pass it on. Oh, it's pass it on. And we have Katie. Hey there. And uh, Mark. Hey, guys. Hit <laughs> <laughs> <It> me. <laughs> Low-key Mark. You should be, you should be uh, Instagram storying this the whole time. Should I? No. Maybe live. <laughs> Maybe on Periscope. <laughs> Maybe on Periscope. <laughs> so we are talking about uh, the world of binging. Um, so I thought we could like slow pitch it here, like, you know, easy, hit it out of the park kind of opening. What have you guys binged lately that's like really like can't stop, won't stop uh, sort of uh, shows? What's the big show? Uh, it might be a little late. But that's the thing with binging is that it doesn't matter. You know, there's like it's always like one show is just blowing up and I might just not care at the time and then six months later I discover it. Well, that's the beauty of the internet. That is the beauty of the internet. Mm-hmm. So I just recently watched uh, Fargo season two. Nice. It was a good binger. I uh, didn't really expect to like it as much as I did and I could not stop. So. Oh, and Black Mirror. <laughs> Dude, it's got a Fargo. Started watching Black Mirror. Very good. It's got a Fargo character in it as well. It's got a few of them. Actually, yeah. the first episode has two. Uh, they, they were not really related. I don't even think they talked to each other at all in Fargo, but they were both in the same episode of Black Mirror, and I was like, whoa. In season three of Black Mirror, there's the one kid from episode four, and he's got his own show now, and that's what I've been watching. It's called The End of the Effing World. Ooh. It's very good. Ooh, is that good? Yeah. I've, I've been, seen that on I my binged Netflix. it on the weekend. Did you? Yeah whole season if i'm tired this week at any point it's because of that show yeah but are you guys <laughs> it's they're short why are you still watching it you're not know. even binging it correctly I'm, like <laughs> I'm let's done. I'm let's done. like uh, back it up like isn't the, the the definition of binge is like you can't stop like you've binged the whole thing you're not like i watched three episodes that's not binge watching that's like a light breakfast snack for scott well this is a good i actually discussion. know how netflix defines binge watching oh. which is at least two Two, starting at two to six episodes simultaneously, which, like, I'm just saying, I don't think the internet defines binging as two episodes. Like, no, I'd they're say assuming it's like you're four crushing or five a season. Two is like, or like a, getting a, close to crushing a season. Two is like a Kit Kat bar. It's like a nice <laughs> light. No, that's a coffee crisp. A nice light snack. <laughs> yeah. What I think binging is is if you get that "Are you still there?" message yeah. and you go past that, then you've you've proceeded to binge. Is that a judgment? Like that they're throwing down on you. This is them saving you from yourself. <laughs> yeah. I think that's like the, their empathetic <laughs> algorithm. I, I liked pre-holidays that like Netflix was like calling people out like of their behavior, whether it was binge or not. Like the the people who are watching the the Prince Christmas movie like every single day for the <laughs> month and like Wasn't tweeting at them. Maybe Spotify? they were all doing, but Netflix was calling people out for like. There's been someone who's watched. What was it? Christmas Prince? Christmas yeah, the Christmas, Christmas oh. Prince. Highly, highly recommended it. I was going to say Prince. A Prince Christmas movie? Not about Back, back from the Dead. No. <laughs> Purple Rain Christmas? <laughs> no, like kind of like Netflix. This is going to take us down a wormhole. I'm just <laughs> telling you. No, no, don't do it then. Yeah. Well, a good uh, wormhole. Christmas or Prince? Christmas, not Prince. Mm-hmm. I don't have any Prince backstories. <laughs> but... Netflix needs to tap into the like Christmas movie market, so they had like three offerings that like were wildly successful, 
and there was one human who was watching the movie every single day. So the official statistic that you were referring to, Jackson, is according to Netflix, 53 people have watched the movie The Christmas Prince every single day for 18 days since its release. I only watched it twice. Did you actually? (laughs) 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 Well, I watched it once by myself and then once with my significant other when I pretended not to have watched it. (laughs) Wow, what a twist. (laughs) Yeah, I was like on the edge of my seat. Yeah. Uh, so we, so binging is a lot of stuff. So what, like, is that behavior that seems to be like, like I had the same behavior when I got into 24, when it was like on DVD and I hadn't watched any episodes and I think they were in like season five and I watched season one, two and three in one weekend, like a crazy person to catch up. So I don't think the behavior is necessarily just about streaming but like that must be changing people's consumption of everything like media so like how do we how do we make videos when people want to watch like six like we make a 6 second pre-roll what are we supposed to do when people will watch six hour long episodes back to back and then get judged by Netflix how do what do we do i looked into i promise not to get too into this but I looked into like the psychology of binging a little bit and like why you get stuck in that place. And it's essentially the same state as when you're like in the zone at work and you're you get to a point where you're so focused on that thing that your like brain and body is able to drown out a lot of like extraneous factors. And that's like very <laughs> psychologically rewarding because it's like this positive state that you're sort of stuck in. But I think what's interesting about it from your point, Jackson, is that like um, binging allows you to get into that state with different kinds of content and you kind of like like a thing and then abandon it more sorry more quickly than you would before um, instead of kind of staying on the same themes of content that you would be really excited about consuming like you know if you really liked a certain show you consume it and then abandon it much faster than you would before and our brains are just we go through that cycle faster so it's just like immediate like satisfaction and then you move on to the next thing. We're like succubuses of content. Is that what we are now? <laughs> but do you think that it matters that um, you know, Netflix or whomever are, are intentionally trying to create bingeable um, content or is it more just that when you're in that state you'll be watching anything? It doesn't matter. I think... It's definitely lots of factors happening at once, and it's a bit of a feedback loop because there are absolutely things about the Netflix or other streaming services, the content that they make, the way that they deal with cliffhangers and hooks, and you know, so many things about that experience is made to make you want to binge more, but it's based on the same idea that people like to be concentrated with a certain thing for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. It's almost unfathomable to uh, imagine a world where you'd have to wait a whole week to watch the next episode now. Is, it, is there a, a trigger, like, when the, when the Netflix comes up and says, like, your next thing is starting in three seconds, or four, what is it, five seconds? I don't know. I just think that triggers me to be like, can I do one more? 
Like I only do it on the the weekends. I know like some people can do it during the week, but I find it highly distracting from my life. Mark would <laughs> lose sleep. Like I I can't afford I'm too old to afford <laughs> that kind of luxury, but on the weekend I can try to do that like really early and that's when I would do it. You you can do eight what is that that one you mentioned? Is like eight episodes or ten episodes? Yeah, I think it's about ten. Ten. Yeah, I think so. But there are twenty two minutes, right? Yeah. They're short. Yeah. So like binging through that is easy. Yeah. Yeah. The long shows are too long. And you can't binge movies. Can you? Well, you could. Not really. You could like marathon the Harry Potter. Okay. Series. I'm gonna stop on that for a second because I think it's fascinating. <laughs> Binge is like a very negative term. It's like you're abusing this thing and you're doing something bad for yourself. Binge Marathon drinking. is like you just accomplished something. <laughs> <Yeah>. Why is that? <laughs> well, marathon what, watching is what, what we need to re. We want want to reclaim it positively. Yeah, maybe because I mean, yeah. one was uh, it, it definitely connotes gluttony. Yeah. You know? So I, I don't know, but now it doesn't anymore because everyone binges. It's, it's so you're right. I mean. You're right in the in, in, about the term, but I don't think that it has the same sort of meaning that it used to. I, I suppose you're right. The internet did kind of reclaim the term binge watch to be acceptable. I think That's, it's acceptable. I don't think it's positive. Yeah, there's still guilt involved. Yeah, 100%. Maybe a little shame. I think it's the same kind of people like around food, like, oh... I got the turtles for Christmas, and I'm going to portion them out for like the next three months. No, they're going to be gross in three months. <laughs> you need to eat them all it between cri- is gluttony, is Christmas Day and like Boxing Day because they don't—they're not going to taste any better. <laughs> like five weeks later, a turtle is terrible drugstore cho- chocolate. It gets that like white stuff. On yeah, it you too. don't want you any don't of want that. It. You want a fresh turtle, and that's it. And it's, they're only good maybe two days of the year, and yeah. then they're disgusting. Yeah. So what do you guys think, or do you have any examples of brands that have embraced this viewer behavior well? No. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's an interesting way to take the conversation, though, is now that people are used to binge-watching and looking forward to binge-watching, as a digital marketer, what do you do with with videos now? You can't infiltrate a viewing experience anymore. You could create your own viewing experience. Or I see a lot of brands tacking on to a cultural conversation that's happening in response to binge shows. So brands that try to play a role in the conversation going on about Stranger Things. Or um, brands that will, like I'm struggling to think of a specific example, but I think there's an internet culture around binging that brands have played into really well. I think it's like the the support ecosystem where brands play like a bigger role. Like I think if you look at the same behavior of like a whole day or afternoon marathon viewing, not binge watching, uh, is similar to like football culture and like sport watching culture where like Sundays that's where, you know, people go and from 9 a.m. to like 7 p.m. You can watch every game, and the the support branding stuff is the you know taking part in the conversation around those things. Whether it's you know the the talk shows or the the intros or like the 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 brand integration of talking about the the thing, or you know now for podcasts it's the 
podca- podcasts around um, the the episodes of, of of Stranger Things or Black Mirror, where like people now are like, not only are you watching the episodes of Black Mirror, you're now watched, you're listening to like five podcasts talking about them. Um, and that's kind of like the, 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 how brands can then take that and leave. Cause I don't think it's going to go back to like that branded entertainment kind of vision that people talk about every five or six years where it's like, and then Coke's going to make, you know, their own show and everyone's going to like love it. Like that doesn't ever seem to like work. Can't there be subtlety within that? Just product placement? Yeah. Product placement for sure. I think it's still a, a thing. Um, I don't, but I don't know if like that's the how how you would uh, integrate yourself in from a binge behavior kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah, I think there's a couple things that are cool about what you just said. Like I like the football analogy a lot because it gets you thinking about how do you target someone based on knowing that they're or are there ways to could there be ways to target someone knowing that they've been on the same site engaged for hours and if your brand or product can align with that mind state like I don't know deliver pizza right now or something that's kind of a cool opportunity um yeah and I I think it's also an argument binge culture is an argument against a 52-week brand advertising type of media buy I would assume it's actually better to go in for a few weeks, a, a bingeable amount of content, but make it something that people can be fully immersed in. The other, the other thing that's kind of interesting about this kind of binge world, not related to, but kind of interesting for marketers, is like, I think for years we, we were kind of told that like a show has a lifespan and then it has to stop because the ratings declined or, or whatnot. And now all the shows that like have seemingly been canceled in the last 10 years are getting like restarted. Not even like restarted with new cast members, which is what Hollywood does for films. It's we're just going to put Will and Grace back into production like it never was off the air for nine years. Or Roseanne coming back and just treat like that last season where Dan died like it never happened because he's back. <laughs> like it's it's it, it's kind of a world. The bin the binging seems to also like feel like anything's possible in 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 that people just want an endless array of stories. And because of of the binge mentality, economics doesn't apply to whether they're successful or not. <laughs> I mean, this is something that we've sort of talked about before, but it's a little bit about understanding your role within that entertainment space. So as we talked about before, how do you bolt on to um, content opportunities that happen associated with the bingeable show? So whether it's the podcast about Game of Thrones or whatever, um, or do you create entertainment yourself? And I think that's... um, there have been a lot of successes and failures of brands creating entertainment, um, but I think we will get better at more seamlessly integrating branding in entertainment. Can you elaborate on creating entertainment? Um, so brands that will work with publishers or production companies, um, for example, like a brand could work with a Vice show about food and 
have their product. Like I think that's that's something that's actually happened. So Kraft worked with Vice um, to talk about some of their products. But the show Collusion. is Vice producing it. <laughs> Vice is entertaining you. They have their personalities doing it, and they say, "Hey, can you put Kraft singles in this and make it funny?" And if that's the brief, you're probably going to get some good content about Kraft singles. But then, won't you create a mistrustful audience? I know you will out of me. Man, there's so many nuances to it, and I think that's why there's so many failures, because if it's a little too obvious or if the wrong message is there or, frankly, if it's the brand and the entertainer are not a good match, like right. all of those things are potential landmines. So it takes it's very effortful to do it, but it, it could work very well in what we're calling binge culture. Mm-hmm. Or your like, YouTube star goes crazy and like, becomes like persona non grata. Like Logan Paul. (laughs) (laughs) We're so topical. Uh, Yeah, because I'd never heard of him before. He he was the guy from Breaking Bad's brother. Yeah, exactly. Well, even he didn't like him. No. I like Scott's role in this. You can hear him in the background. (laughs) It's a whole new shtick. There was was something like really um, interesting in. A couple of our, our recent uh, podcasts where we've been talking about the like uh, connected home and the like um, digital assistant, and we're talking about binge culture. I feel like there's some way that like all these things, and even just the the, the little back eddy that we talked about, kind of football culture and kind of binging that, like that that perhaps like where marketers can can start to play a bigger role is is like if you have your Alexa. And it's in your room, and she or the Google Home just understands what you're watching, or that you've watched like five episodes in a row. Um, what other opportunities can like those devices and digital then start delivering the appropriate like secondary messages of, or like is it like, are you still there? And then like Google's like, hey. <laughs> Hey, are you are you okay? Yeah. yeah. Or do you want pizza now? You're yeah. Episode are you hungry yet? Yeah. <laughs> or hey, do you want to watch this skiing documentary? Because I know you just looked up skis on the Sporting Life website. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's just as a brand, you have to be extremely useful or extremely entertaining. Yeah. You get to pick one. <laughs> or as a brand or as a product, because there's two different things there. I right. Think. You're right. I guess thinking about it from a single campaign, obviously a brand could do both of those things, yeah. but. If you want to reach your audience, do it by being so functional that they're going to pay attention to what you're saying right now, or do it by being super entertaining and so bingeable. The, yeah. So the the binge, the the binge watching culture, while it like limits like some access to people's like mental um, kind of mindset of of we're interrupting them, we're, we're not interrupting them like we were with the thirty second spot. Now there's less opportunities, kind of ecosystem around those shows, whether it's the second screen being your phone um, or audio cues that understand where, what context you're in. Like the context is always interesting. Like I'm sure the Apple phones. Oh yeah, Google's got a, Mark's got a Google Pixel. Uh, I'm, sure they're, I'm, sure they're, <laughs> I'm sure they're. I'm sure they're all listening and know what we're talking about and doing, listening, hearing, and they're just like quietly, just like recording all that data in the background, right, Nick? That's right. 
You're, and you're you're totally cool with that. Yeah, yeah. sure, whatever. <laughs> tapes his phone shut. <laughs> <laughs> tapes the, the as, as the I put camera. on my tinfoil hat. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so I actually just want to say one thing that Mark sent around, or Scott, sorry, our producer Scott Hi. sent around a little bit of research that we should all read. And there's just one paragraph that just blew my mind. I'm sure we all read it as well, but it was from uh, the Bingers and Time Shifters Future of TV Marketing panel at South by Southwest. And the senior insights director of Cassandra, uh, this woman named Melanie Schreffler, says that young people, young viewers spend twice as much time binging content as they do watching TV live. These audiences are so committed to binge watching that 21% said they would prefer to binge watch TV than have sex. So I just wanted to say that because that just blew my mind. I'm not really sure if that's real. Netflix or what kind of young really people? Good shows, man. I'm telling you. Well, I mean, it just also must. like Netflix and chill. I don't even understand how that works anymore. <laughs> just the Netflix part. Yeah, just the Netflix it's really part. just the Netflix. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I know we want to keep it PG here, but I was just saying that that was like that. That said a lot. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. That that is wild. Well, I don't know what younger viewers exactly we're talking about. Like what age that goes up to, but Mark. <laughs> Mark is the only person cool. Twenty one percent of Marks. <laughs> Man, that was hardcore binge uh, podcasting, and now we're going to talk about our favorite. Th- And we're not doing our jingle, but there will be a jingle. Cue the jingle. Digital Peaks. Digital Peaks. And now our favorite thing is digital picks. Free for all. We can talk about whatever we want. Digital cool stuff. Who wants to go first? I do. Because I'm soaked. Okay. (laughs) Is it about the pixel? No. It's got nothing to do with phones. And nothing to do with Google? No. Okay. We'll allow it. What is it, Mark? Toyota and Pizza Hut. Yes! Have joined up to show off an autonomous pizza delivery concept car at CES. Have you watched Black Mirror? I have. The it Crocodile. Looks, so I was going to get to that. It looks <laughs> the exact same. Too. It's terrifying. Check this out. We will, link, we will link out to this. It does. It actually looks like a big Whoa. toaster. Yeah. So I don't know how many pizzas this thing can fit, but it looks like quite a bit. Does it pop them out the top? I think the sides. Like a toaster. Like it shoots it up. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, the catch is you have to catch the pizza. It's going to be boiling hot. <laughs> when I looked up that uh, Black Mirror episode after I, I watched it, and uh, there were a surprising amount of articles and then comments after the articles just about that pizza machine. So yeah. it, was, it might have been the greatest innovation thought up on the show Black Mirror. It also played a huge role in the episode. If it did. that didn't happen... No spoilers, but like that lady wouldn't have been. No, that's true. I do like that. That's the key tech takeaway: is the <laughs> is the autonomous pizza vehicle, not the you can like see people's like dreams, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like or their like their perceived like realities, yeah. yeah, yeah. But in honesty, that was kind of far fetched and maybe a little dumb. The pizza machine that was viable, yeah. Well, yeah, I think clearly. I had legs. Yeah, clearly, it's real. Yes, yeah, so. <laughs> that woman just like t- just. 
escalated quickly. Yeah, it oh, did. she like, really got there. Yeah, like escalated quickly. But now it's we're we're talking. We're trying about, not to spoil it. Yeah, we're talking TV. esoterically about a show that Which some I people may not have watched. I, I just like gave the eyes, and you guys were like, "Can't, <laughs> don't <laughs> oh, spoil yeah, this." Seen it. Like, mm. Oh boy, are you still on season one? <laughs> no, I'm not on season one. I Two? just haven't. I've only watched a couple episodes, and not particularly in order. Oh, you're the just one like that you're referring to, I have not watched. I, I, so I, I appreciate I you dancing post, around post podcast. It's not a spoiler to say it gets dark. <laughs> the pizza, As it does. The the pizza truck might be the highlight uh, of happiness in that sh- in that particular episode. That's kind of where it turns. It too. turns like, real it gets hard, real dark, <laughs> yeah. right at the pizza and the pizza mode. Yeah, and people wonder why I'm in my bubble of watching Hallmark Christmas movies because <laughs> they are happy. Everything's fine. There's no darkness. It's all good. Maybe it's just at all a big metaphor for how bad you feel after eating pizza. I haven't even watched the episode. That's I feel great after I eating pizza. So <laughs> all I can think is like now I feel bad that we're, that some of us are going away tomorrow. We're not going to be able to like just randomly order a Pizza Hut triple decker. <laughs> You're the only one who's not here tomorrow. But that's what oh, you guys can do it. Damn it. <laughs> well, it is just one a concept car, everybody, so it's not happening in Toronto anytime soon, I don't think. I like it. That's now I'll just then. kill myself. No, <laughs> that's it. and that's 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 at CES, which is yes. coming up this week. Yes. This is happening. Is yeah. Happening. So by the time we've by the time we've aired this, CES will be a distant memory. Yeah. So hopefully the link that we have posted has a lot more details because right now it's just a photo. Delicious photo. Mark, I'm really upset about your digital pick because it makes mine seem so boring. Um, but mine was also a concept vehicle from CES. So. Uber uh, announced a concept, autonomous flying taxi. It's like a flying car, but it looks really cool. Um, Obviously very futuristic, Mm -hmm. and they're thinking that this is something that will be the future. They kind of said there will be drivers initially in flying vehicles that act like Uber acts today, but eventually they would like them to be autonomous. So you just get in a vehicle... There's no driver. It lifts off into the sky and takes you wherever you want to go. I find it highly skeptical that they will not still have to call you and ask where you are. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why I'm not into Uber anymore. It's because they still, after all this... Uh, AI and stuff, they still are like, where are you? I'm exactly where I put on the map. That is your one job. That's the <laughs> only job you have. I, I saw, I don't know, um, we can we can probably find it for the for the, the, the page, for the links, but I did see a, t- because I watch real TV, common theme on this, like an old person, I saw a TV commercial and the like pitch of the car ad was like, enjoy driving while you can. Whoa. Because... Cryptic. Sooner or later, you're not going to be driving them. So, like, their whole thing was like, enjoy it while you can, which seems like a bad, a, a bad message to send as a car company. But it was interesting. We'll dig Whoa. that up. It's yeah, that's cool. Kind of interesting. Obviously, these two companies should be collaborating because we should have autonomous flying pizza machines. 100%. Oh, yes. <laughs> that would help with this King Street closure thing for vehicles. Like, it would bypass Pizza Hut could come directly to our office, <laughs> land on the roof. Get it down. Totally. Yeah. Well, if uh, if Katie thought that hers was going to be boring, then mine is definitely boring compared to those two awesome picks. Especially, I mean, we had a pizza truck and a friggin' flying Uber. And mine is Toronto Dominion. <laughs> DD Bank 
has acquired an official intelligence startup called Layer 6. That doesn't sound ominous at all. No. Uh, and the quote given was that the mass amounts of data with increase in computing power really gives rise to the ability for machine learning and or AI to really play a much more prominent role in our banking system. That's it. That's my pick. I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm not going to say anything weird and ominous about it. I mean, this might just be a chat bot that we end up, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't really know, but um, I'm sure we'll be fine. That's the end of that. You know, fintech, pizza tech, what's next? Right. <laughs> I mean, now I want to like kind of like not do my original digital pick and like just go straight to like the like crypto kitties based on the blockchain, but I'm going to go with it. I I was fascinated and I had this link open on my browser for a number of days. Super long article, not something I binged. See what I did there? Back at it. Uh it it's in Politico, the like politics publication in the US, but it was all about the kind of uh, about politics and artificial um, intelligence and what um, like one company in particular, uh, kind of similar to, to Nick's um, pick called Fiscal Note, um, which was all about taking all the known data about everything happening in this case Washington, but you can imagine it being Ottawa, so that. You could, with a few like questions to the system, know everything about a particular bill in progress and which politicians were pushing it, which ones would support it. And they have it down to like you could see a pending bill and all of its data saying down to like a 0.1 percentage of whether it would pass or fail. So like they just know so much data because it's all public record and the article just goes on to talk about how the this data could then replace all of the traditional kind of like physical world of lobbying and politics where like everything is like backroom deals and like handshakes and lobbyists and all that sort of stuff could be done away with because everything is so transparent because all the data is there. All we just need to do is harness it and be like, no, no, no. <laughs> you don't need to be the guy who knows the guy on the senator's staff to like influence him. You know exactly based on his record what's going to happen. So it's a long, it's a long read, very dry, but kind of interesting. Of like what digital could do for things that are crazy. That's super interesting. Yeah, yeah. that's really cool. I don't think that. The end of backroom deals or any are coming anytime soon. I thought that was the best part about politics. <laughs> yeah, that's where the fun lies. Yeah, I, I want like I want like you know you gotta grease people up with a steak dinner. You gotta like put a little money in their like campaign kitty. That's how stuff works. Yeah. Why Honestly, would we want to get rid of that digital? If if that was in place, you know, ten years ago, then House of Cards would have never been created, and then. One of the highest binge shows of all time, so it, it all—it's all circular, I suppose. It is all circular. I was like the only—the only thing I have to say about it is about a show. Uh, politics, huh? Well, there's this show. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Version Control, episode thirty: How brands can survive the binge wars. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to give us a rating on iTunes. <laughs>